0: The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org.
1: You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And welcome back. You are tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting live from the University of California campus in Irvine. We're streaming on the web at KUCI.org. We are always available on Kimberly's website, KimberlyMartin.com. I'm your guest host, Marie Stone. As you know, we are dedicated to profiling the men and women of Orange County who are doing amazing things. And today we are devoted to creativity which, if you know me from Writers on Writing on Wednesday mornings uh, on this very station, you'll know I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm fortunate today to be joined by two very creative Orange County men, one a screenwriter, one an author. Both have done a wide array of stuff across genres, across fields. They both live in Laguna Beach. They are both friends with each other, and I think their synergy and creativity and friendship um, will enable them to impart today some inspiration and creative energy for all of us. Paul Freeman is with me. He is a strategist, project manager, speaker, and author. He's worked with companies, entrepreneurs, foundations, philanthropists for Nobel laureates, landowners, museums, universities, on Capitol Hill and presidential campaigns as an observer, advisor, and training instructor in Africa and Asia. He's worked with South Coast Plaza Partners, um, the UC system, U.S. Senator Gary Hart, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, the Laguna Beach Art Museum, Orange County Museum of Art, countless countless other clients. He is a graduate of the University of Virginia, served two terms as mayor of Laguna Beach, and his book, Stop, Go, Murder, is his first novel. It's available in selected bookstores, including um, my very favorite bookstore, Laguna Beach Books. It's on Amazon, but buy it from Laguna Beach Books. Um, And you can find more about that at StopGoMurder.com. Joe Becker studied writing at USC, Michigan, UCLA, and in numerous workshops. His genres include sci-fi, thriller, historical crime, comedy, rom-com, noir, and character-driven drama. All of his scripts feature characters drawn in depth and explore psychological, social, and political issues. Joe has written feature films, sitcoms one-hour and half-hour television shows, novels, plays, speeches, news, on and on. And his advertising copy has generated hundreds of millions in client revenue. He's a board member of the Orange County Screenwriters Association. I didn't even know there was an Orange County Screenwriter. That's awesome. A a non-for-profit organization dedicated to bringing education and resources to the film community, both amateur and professional. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you, Paul. Maybe we can start with you, and um I introduced you, but I would love to kind of hear a little bit more about your background, kind of what um would lead anybody with this incredibly rich creative background to write a novel because every time I talk to novelists, they're like, "Do anything other than write a novel." So <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I did sort of everything except writing a novel for most of my life um so I followed that advice and practice. I don't know. I, I always had threatened to do that, uh, to write a novel, and at some juncture I've had good friends say, you're not allowed to talk about it anymore unless you do it, and that helped motivate me. I finally uh, got it done, and I'm hoping to write several more at least. Um, I've always been a voracious reader, mm-hmm. and I enjoy playing with words, and and I guess, quite frankly, after having been involved in you know, negotiations and politics and having to speak carefully and often on behalf of others, um, I finally warmed up to speaking, so to speak, for myself and in a creative way, which I had never done before. I mean, I've never written anything creatively before, but I finally got to where I like it. Um, so, uh, I hope that answers your question. That's cool.
1: That's cool. Yeah. So crime fiction, was that always going to be the case?
0: No. In fact, uh, This book didn't end up being about a murder. Uh, It it started out as something else, and I got bored with it, and so I added a murder (laughs) because (laughs) um, uh, I just thought it would be fun. Uh, And so it was quite by chance.
1: I love that. And it does have the feeling of being a series. So I assume we haven't seen the last of
0: There'll be two more with at least the detective and probably a couple of other characters as well. And then I hope to write something altogether different.
1: That's great. Yeah. So you should fill us in a little bit on the kind of the, the the nature of the book. Okay. The Game Go, which I've heard of but don't know that much about. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's the only problem with the game. I mean, living in America is not a lot of people know a lot about it, although you've seen it most likely in various uh, ways referenced in books or appearing in movies. Did you ever see, uh, what is it, A Brilliant Mind? What's the name of that movie? Beautiful Mind.
1: Beautiful Mind, Yeah. Yeah,
0: so in one of the very opening scenes, the lead character is playing Go. He's an, on this ac- academic quad. I think it's Princeton. In any case, plays what he believes to be the most logical move and loses and is very upset, says it's a stupid game. Much to my chagrin, the movie doesn't identify this or explain this, but in fact, that experience of playing Go inspired his life's work in game theory for which he won all the awards. And um, But it's not... Uh, a game that's um, popular or um, well understood or even known about in the U.S., although a growing number, hundreds of thousands of people play in the U.S. Um, I was introduced to it, the game by a dear friend who learned it uh, in Asia and taught taught it to me, and I found it immediately engaging for various reasons. And then serendipity, I, I had a, a little consulting gig with the Japanese Trade Ministry in Washington, and mm-hmm. Uh, this was in 83, and um, I think that the people there were surprised as someone that looked like me said, wow, that's a cool-looking Go set you got there on your credenza. And I became sort of their pet and would come over and give my briefing, and, and then we'd play Go uh, for much of the afternoon. And then I moved out here, and there's lots of people that play Go here. There's Go clubs, some open 24-7 in L.A. and Orange County. And uh, the game is featured prominently and it's kind of like life. It's a game of perfect information. It's all right in front of you, but it's deceiving. Hmm. And, um, uh, so that's part of the thematic, um, approach is recognizing that whether it's on the go board or in one's life, you think, you know, what's going on. And then you have these moments where you realize, Oh, I have no clue. And this sort of Reflected some of my own experiences in consulting and politics. I had a recycling project in Florida, and I had a little run-in with the mafia. And at some point, I recognized that I was out of my league, and um, and I had no clue what, what was going on. And so I wanted to write sort of about that. Um, but then the murder just sort of happened. So
1: I love all these throwaway sentences you have. Like I just introduced the Dalai Lama. To- you know, whatever event, or I just had this run in with the mafia.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully the, the reader won't will find say. too many of my sentences to be throwaways. But in any case, um, yeah, I'm trying to make myself sound interesting here. So it's yeah. working. Oh, good. <laughs> good, good.
1: So I have a thousand more questions, but I'll, I'll save them for a minute because I'll ask Joe. Uh, maybe you can jump in and kind of were you always a screenwriter? Kind of introduce yourself beyond what I was able to do. But ha- um, how did you get into that?
2: Well, I I came to California. I went to uh, USC. Uh, I was in something called the professional writing program uh, in the eighties, and my focus at the time was television. I, wa- I wanted to write sitcoms because mm-hmm. um, I grew up watching sitcoms, and um, it evolved from there. Um, as I got, I, I kind of really didn't found that I didn't have much to say at that age. And I lost interest in it, to be honest, for several years and went into advertising and um, became a copywriter and then started my own gig. I had my own little agency. And when I um, um, went through a divorce and some life changes and decided I want to go back to writing, that's when I took up screenwriting seriously and, and actually you know, had something to say and something to write about.
1: That's the one thing I love about writing is that it's the one thing, unlike athletics or something else, that as you age, you get better and better at it and you have more life experience and, you know, it's, it just gets richer as opposed to, you know, being the aging actress and now you get these terrible roles. because you
2: <laughs> uh, Well, you also have, uh, um, part and parcel with that is the more writing you do, the better you get at it. I mean, yeah. it's like playing the piano or anything else. Um, it, it's It's a craft and it's an art and you have to practice it. And the, the more you practice it, the better you get.
1: Right. Right. So were you an L.A. boy? Did you grow up in L.A.?
2: No, I'm from Chicago. Oh, you're from Chicago. Okay. South Side.
1: I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good for fiction. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's good for movies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's all about backstory. Yeah, so, exactly yeah. right.
1: Exactly right. So tell me a little bit about the film scene in Orange County, because I feel like the, the you know, cliche is that you have to live in L.A. to be a screenwriter.
2: Well, and there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but one of the reasons I left LA is I I didn't like that culture where you know everybody's waving a screenplay, and I didn't want to be one of those guys who is always waving a screenplay. <laughs> I just um, that that's uh, not the way that I wanted to approach the industry. And I felt like eh, I'm just going to take a break and go down to Orange County. And I felt in love with Laguna Beach, and I've been there ever since. Um, but really. Um, it's difficult. I mean, we, at the Orange County Screenwriters Association, we put on a lot of events. Um, and it's sometimes, I mean, they would be so much better attended if we were up in LA. Um, most of the screenwriting world of the West Coast screenwriting world is centered there. And, um, and that's just, that's the reality. That's the way it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's true for writing too. I mean, you know, I, there, there is a pocket of it here, but I do feel like the vast majority of it takes place up in LA or, you know, I travel for it, but it's getting a little better. I don't know. Do you find a lot of creative energy down here?
2: Oh, in Laguna Beach, I think you do. Um, uh, There's quite an art scene there and a lot of creative people. Um, And, you know, if you're going to be in this business, in any kind of an artistic business, you're going to have to find the discipline within yourself. There's a certain personality that writers um, and all artists, I think, all creative people have. And... um, You know, if you don't have it, then if you do have it, you're, you're going to find the time you're going to sit down and do the work. It's, it's a compulsion in a lot of, uh, in many respects. So, um, no matter where I lived, I'd be writing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So do you pitch, do you have particular, um, producers that you now have relationships with? Like, I don't even know the screenwriting world. If you have a script written, uh, do you know, where do you take it?
2: Well, that's, um, changing rapidly, um, it there <laughs> there's some 10,000 independent films produced yearly now and that number was it, it was half that you know in 2003 um wow. and it's possible now to actually distribute your own movie with all these streaming services um whether you get your money back for it that's um it's it, it's not so easy and it's hard to determine before the fact but um the, the world of film distribution is changing and it's evolving and, um, uh, it isn't as it used to be. So it's a hard question to answer. Um, but every, I mean, successful people in the business have relationships and they have people they take scripts to, but, um, scripts die in development all the time in Hollywood. And, um, it's, it's a, Difficult. I mean, it, it, you opened the show by saying, you know, oh, don't ever write a novel. Why would you want to? Um, it, it, in many respects, it's worse in, in the in the world of screenwriting. It's. I actually wrote a blog piece about how being a screenwriter necessis- uh, excuse me necessitates a certain amount of uh, mental illness. Um, <laughs> right,
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I do think uh, any of the creative types, you know, whether you're a visual artist or a photographer or anything, it's it it does feel more compulsion than. I want to make five bucks because you're just not going to make five, you know,
2: yeah. if it's about the money, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of easier ways to make a buck.
1: Right. Right. Do you find, um, well, I'll jump back to you, Paul. If, um, I would love to know how some of these other endeavors that you've done have fed your, if they do or do not kind of feed your creative energy. Do you look back on, Oh, I had this rush with the mafia and I'm going to work that into the book or, 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 are there things from your past life that you have found particularly useful, Yes, I think so.
0: I mean, I suppose it's somewhat cliched and true as well that, especially for a first-time writer of fiction, you've got some autobiographical stuff that you feel compelled to draw on. Um, In my case, I I suppose one of the biggest um, reservoir of ideas is I've I've had a variety of experiences, and in terms of both – Uh, crazy occurrences and provocative dialogue. I mean, I've run into a lot of that uh, sort of thing. And so much of what's in my book, um, even some parts that people have said, oh, that's ridiculous. uh, That's just exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, And and other parts are sort of bastardized versions of stuff that's happened or that I've witnessed, if not been a player in per se so yes um, I think so and I've been around the country enough and here and there outside the country to to have that feeling of being outside looking back and I I think all of this is helpful to draw on
2: yeah
1: yeah how far do you get into uh, I don't know was this your first novel or do you have novels in the drawer
0: no no this is my my first and I'm working now on my second
1: that's crazy because every novelist I talk to, you know, who has a novel out, I say, oh, you're a first-time novelist. And they're like, well, I've written 10. I have a lot in the drawer, but this is the first that's, that's well, made I it. Well, I wrote that's
0: multiple fun. versions of this one. And luckily for me, I've had honest, good friends, Joe among them, who, when they looked at it, said, uh, this isn't so good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, apropos his comment here, you know, the more you do it, the more you feel you you find your own voice and so forth. And then I would say, too, uh, it took me a while to find the discipline to approach it in a smart or professional mm-hmm. way. I had this sort of, I don't know, romantic or maybe lazy idea about, oh, I'll, I'll get a brainwave and then I'll go to the, you know, Harbor House that's open 24 hours <laughs> and see how that works. And not a big surprise. It didn't work so well. Uh, and on the other hand, when I started, getting up with the light four days a week and saying I'm going to try to produce, you know, four or five decent pages today, that's when I finally finish it up. So, um, but certainly, you know, somebody like me who's never written creatively before is accustomed, in fact, when writing to be writing for either some organization or somebody else, um... It took a while for me to really get comfortable in this new role, and maybe it's because as I've aged, I've become more curmudgeonly. But I don't have the emotional energy I used to to be patient and nice with all these different characters I work with. <laughs> and on the other hand, um, I'm more interested in uh, being thoughtful and trying to express myself creatively than I than I used to be. At the same time, so yeah.
1: So you know there are going to be three books. So when you conceived of this idea, did you have the three books already mapped out in your head where you knew what they were going to kind of look like?
0: Not when I started writing, but okay. but I was well into it and realized in part because uh, I had people in the business tell me, you know, uh, if you're trying to pitch your first book at your age, <laughs> I'm in my 60s. Uh, they're going to ask you well what else are you working on and if if you look like a deer in the headlights that's a bad first impression so I I did think well maybe there's a a series here and then I I thought about how that the basic architecture of that and and how it would play out and go deeper into the characters and so forth and that appealed to me finally and so but I also want to write a what for me will be my fourth book that's not in this genre at all uh and my first one isn't so much a conventional murder mystery in terms of here's the point of view of the detective, here's another clue, here's the next clue, and it, it's rather circuitous, and that's not unlike the game of Go or or Life itself, so the next one will be a little more conventional.
1: It's good to have like a grounding metaphor, I would think, that, you know, I mean, it, it sounds like the game, I don't know the game that well besides what you've talked about, but it sounds like that's a really good jumping off point for all kinds of metaphor or symbolism. I hope so.
0: I hope so. Yes. I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah. So, Joe, do you find yourself interested sort of in in similar creative endeavors, or do you see, like, over the arc of your life of doing this for some period of decades that your areas of concern have changed in what you're writing about?
2: Um, Well, there are common themes in my work. Um, So... I don't know if I can answer that question. I think, I think, uh, what I write about is, is a process of discovery and it has a lot to do with what's going on in my life at the time, but also what has gone on and what issues I'm concerned with. Um, never has it really been particularly autobiographical. I mean, I, I tend to create characters, especially a main character in a movie. And when things are happening, uh, uh, to use, uh, well, let's just say when things are going well, that character takes on a life of his or her own, and the issues that are of concern to to her and, the, and what I'm working on now. Um, there's a female lead, you know, are are just stuff that I don't deal with in my life. She's a doctor, and she's dealing with a, a, a viral outbreak, and people are trying to kill her, and you know that doesn't really happen <laughs> in Laguna too often. Um, so, um. You know, th- uh, but w- what's going to happen tomorrow? What am I going to be writing about tomorrow? I, I don't know. I don't have a plan for it. Um, where these ideas come from is, um, uh, you know, an interesting topic. If you want to go into yeah. that, we can. Um, yeah. But it, it's uh, it's not something that's planned out. And, you know, next year I'm going to be starting the script about this. That, that's not the way it works for me. Do you walk around
1: with a notebook and sort of, you know, s- spy on people at Starbucks? <laughs>
2: well, I don't spy on other people, but I do use my telephone a lot to uh, send text messages to myself, Mm. Uh, especially when I'm in the middle of of a project. uh, uh, You know, there are different aspects to a movie. Right now I'm in a production mode um, Mm. because we're trying to get uh, this movie, The Dark, made. Mm. And and I'm involved with the producer and the director and the production designer. And um, so I'm not in a writing mode. Um, Mm. But when I am creating a script... You know, I'll be at the gym and and you know I'll I'll stop at the treadmill and I'll just be texting for a half an hour because uh, dialogue the characters are saying and things that come to me that I don't want to lose. Um, so I, I use my phone as a notepad.
1: That's a good idea. Uh, normally, I think technology is kind of distracting to writers because I can I can go down the research rabbit hole all day long and not get any writing done, but. If you use it wisely, I, I take your point. Good well, idea.
2: I like technology, and, you know, I, the script we're producing now is a sci-fi, and um, I'm a, an early adopter of technology, and uh, I read on my iPad, um, and I'm just comfortable sitting in front of a keyboard. I've been using word processors since 1980. Um I've dated myself here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a, a very comfortable spot for me sitting in front of a keyboard. Yeah.
1: So talk about the dark. So that's the sci-fi movie that you're working on. Yes.
2: Uh, the dark is uh, okay. So where? Uh, how did I, I get the idea for that movie? Is is kind of an interesting story. Um, I had been uh, writing some very big budget films, and they weren't getting made. And I was getting the same comment from uh, industry people. This is really good, you know. Man, you're a good writer, um, but this is a sixty million dollar movie. Um, you really should be doing some smaller budget stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so I decided, <clears throat> okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a movie in a confined setting with a handful of actors, and I'm gonna follow every single industry. Formula that you can possibly name. I'm not going to go outside the box. The only thing that's going to be, you know, in Hollywood, you have to stay inside a box, and yet you have to be creative at the same time. You have to make the same old thing only different. And um, so I said, okay, so I'm I've got the confined setting where it's going to be, and and, um, what am I missing formula wise? And I even thought of um, a quote that's generally attributed to uh, Samuel Goldwyn or maybe Louis B. Mayer, but it goes: um, Start with an earthquake and build up from there and i thought okay i'm 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 <laughs> going to start the script with an earthquake but i got to i got to be outside the box here so i'm going to make a moonquake you know, I'm going to have mm-hmm. an earthquake on the moon, and so I made this little. Um, I'm going I'm to create this DARPA research lab on the moon, and I'll put it on the on the dark side of the moon. And then somebody that I know, who's a sci-fi guy, said, "There is no dark side of the moon, you fool. There's a light. Side, there's a visible side and an invisible side." Because, of the, and I said, "Okay, okay, the far side of the moon." He doesn't
1: listen to Pink <clears throat> Floyd. Okay, well, <laughs> anyway, th- th- there
2: are these craters at the south pole of the moon that never see the light of day. So I put this DARPA research lab at the bottom of this crater and covered it in lunar regolith, and, and it's hidden away. And there's this research taking place there uh, that uh, <coughs> the military is developing uh, viral weapons, and they're violating a treaty. This is 50 years into the future and um uh, there's a doctor posted there helen or her, her, uh, Hannah's her name which is a deliberate anagram um palindrome oh palindrome yeah yeah because i was all into dna palindromes at the time that that's all been removed from the script but nonetheless her name remains and um she's she's a civilian posted there doing um rex uh, research into uh, advanced vaccines in the, in the zero gravity um and the moonquake causes uh, damage and this this deadly virus is released and it starts killing the crew members and she's trying to figure out why. Meantime, they're very concerned back on this uh, space station uh, where a Navy Admiral who's, who's running this rogue s- uh, weapons program who determines that the only way he can deal with this is to Kill everybody on the base, shut down the power. That he'll he'll be therefore extinguish, uh, 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 deactivate the virus, as they would say, and um, all the people are going to die. So she has to solve the problem of everyone getting sick and the very stages of the disease, which include uh, people becoming very paranoid and violent and dying rapidly. And um, she's able to determine that this di- this this virus is is designed specifically to target certain genetics and in fact it's designed to kill koreans because we're in this escalating conflict with north korea and the north koreans are actually on the moon as well hidden in an adjacent crater violating a treaty testing nuclear weapons and then they in fact caused the moonquake by testing an underground nuclear device so there's a lot of finger pointing that eventually happens and it's a race against time there's a ticking clock there's all these formulaic sci-fi tropes that i deliberately employed because i wanted to make a movie that was that nobody could say no to they just go, yeah, they've got everything in here that you need um, the only thing I don't have is, uh, at the sci-fi channel, you have to kill somebody every eight pages. I, I didn't do that. So I, I can't sell it to them, but you know, <laughs> that's how this, this movie, that's the idea for this movie came from starting with an earthquake and building up from there.
1: I couldn't be a screenwriter. That solves it. I can't do that. <laughs> I've read
0: that screenplay, by the way. It's very good. It's very good.
1: Yeah. 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 It's so visual, which I guess is the point of a screenplay. That's.
0: Well, that's,
2: that's what a, a movie be. is. A story told with pictures. Right. So. Right. That's. That's kind of, my brain works visually, so um, I that's why I'm a screenwriter and not a novelist. I, I tried to write a novel once, and it came out so bad I turned it into a movie. And,
1: uh. <laughs> it's amazing to me, uh, it sort it's sort of amazing, I was going to say, it's amazing to me that you can write across all these genres, that that mind also produced a rom-com, that also produced a, you know, television drama, that also produced historical fiction fiction. Um, Are you comfortable in any one genre over another or are are they all equally just fun and whatever the story is dictates the genre?
2: Well, I think there's a, a, a a good story is ultimately about a character, especially in a movie that's going through an arc, that's learning something, that's going from A to B, that's consumed by some flaw, a human flaw. You know, writing is archetypal. Um, uh, it, it, to me it's very union, if that means anything to you and um, connecting with uh, other people via your art is what makes a story good and, and it doesn't matter what genre you're writing in you, if you don't do that you're not going to be successful so to a certain extent writing a movie, writing a novel uh, there, are, there are some basic elements that, that make them all the same so uh, yes I'm comfortable in, in multiple genres I don't like horror I don't like being scared, so I don't watch it. And if you don't watch it and study it, you're not going to be able to, to execute it. Yeah. Um, Paul reads a lot of novels. That's why you know he's a good novelist, and maybe that's why mine didn't come out so good. Is I'm I'm watching movies watching rather movies. than reading books.
1: So I do this contest. It's called New York City Midnight, and it's the, f- the most fun contest. So it's an international contest, and you sign up, and there's a short screenplay, a regular screenplay, short fiction, and flash fiction. And on a particular day, you get assigned to a heat, and then they assign you a genre, a setting, and a character, an object, or something. And you have 48 hours to produce. Oh, wow. Sometimes you have eight days, but depending on whatever you're writing in, the screenplay challenge, you have a little bit longer. Flash fiction, you have 24 hours. Um, So you have... And then it's sudden death. So you start out with... um, you know 3,000 people and then it's cut down to 400 and then it's cut down to 200 and then it's it, it, as you move through the rounds of you mm-hmm. know it's so fun so I thought I would only ever write dramatic fiction or something but then you're assigned horror and then the next time you're assigned sci-fi and then the next time you're assigned rom-com and you know you just got to do it and I've I've found that it's really fun it's really fun to write outside a genre you don't think you can do and and in fact sometimes you can't and so <laughs> sometimes you can so anyway, that's a, that. That was my point about first being surprised and then saying, you know, maybe you're right. A story is a story, and you know, you can, um, as long as the elements are in place, you can really play with kind of the genre rules and make it your own.
2: Well, and you you really never know. I mean, writing is a process, and one of the 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 greatest things about uh, any creating anything, you know, making a statue, you know, you start with this big block of. Uh, granite and there's something in there and you're trying to find it but you don't really know you're going to discover it and and the, the process you know i hear people paul schrader wrote taxi driver in nine days and you know that's amazing because it's a great screenplay and to for me to to i can get something down in nine days i can get 100 pages written in nine days um but it's going to take me 3 or 4 months to turn that into something polished and ready and presentable and and add all of the stuff that needs to be there which comes from the process the process of of stepping away and letting your subconscious think about it of getting on that treadmill at the gym or standing in the shower or wherever stuff comes to you Um, And if you don't go through that process, you're not going to get this magic result that you never could have imagined at the start of it. And that's what's so amazing is to take a look at what you finally created at the end of this process and say, wow, I can't believe I did that. I mean, where did that come from? And, 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 uh, God, I sure hope I can do it again, which is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, you know, eventually after you've done a, a few of them, you, you have enough faith to sit down, but there's always a certain amount of fear in sitting down and facing that blank paper and not knowing what this process is going to lead you to. Um, uh, that's, uh, that's something that most writers will, will tell you they experience.
1: Every writer. Yeah. Really. <laughs> You are tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine. I am here with novelist Paul Freeman or crime writer Paul Freeman and uh, screenwriter Joe Becker. We are talking about the creative process. Um, did you ever read Robert McKee or do his lecture? Oh, Robert McKee. Yeah, hmm. I did that ten years ago or t- twelve years ago in New York, and it was that's when I really solidified I can't be a screenwriter. But it was um, wonderful for teaching new story. You know, uh, wonderful for teaching new writers the elements of story and
2: well now and that things. you can make your own movie with an iphone and, right. and edit it yourself and, and now distribute it yourself with and aggregators like distributor and there's there's two or three others i could i could find pretty easily that will take your movie for a thousand dollars here and a thousand dollars there and we'll put it up on on uh itunes and they'll put it on amazon and I mean, so you're no longer you don't have to follow the rules anymore because uh you're not beholden to the gatekeepers anymore um, so uh, anybody can make a movie now. And, and all those reasons why a lot of people have not gone into screenwriting because they lose their creative control and your script gets bought and they hire somebody else to rewrite it and your name gets taken off, which has happened to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, hmm. it doesn't necessarily exist anymore. You can go outside the system.
1: Although, is that such a great thing? I mean, I think, um, Paul, you and I probably deal with this in writing. All the the... Th- th- Sludge of um, self published writers out there are, you know, just kind of watering down the market of good fiction, I think, in some cases. I don't know.
0: Well, maybe. Um, I do know that, uh, and I don't know whether it's the same with books vis a vis film. I, maybe you know better than I, Joe, but my impression is that with books, it's harder to punch through to a big publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, many of them, I, I think I'm right in saying this, won't even take scripts anymore unless it's from an agent, so you got to get an agent. Um, and, you know, I think it's probably easier to self-publish. I think that's for sure. And it's probably easy if you have the time and the energy and the resources to, to do a lot of self-promotion. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I walk into an airport bookstore and it's like the real estate has been condominiumized. Here's the latest release from the top four or five or however many there are now. And you can tell the ones that have been successful and that the publishers are actually getting behind because the name of the author is bigger than the name of the title of the book, you know? And so when you're faced with that sort of dynamic and you're brand new, um, what else are you going to do? So, yeah, um,
2: I, I got to disagree with that statement. Um, because I think that um, the, the key to it is the word marketplace. You say they're watering down the marketplace. Uh, in a marketplace, um, mediocrity will fall and good quality content will rise to the top, and word of mouth uh, it, it triumphs uh, over marketing sometimes. Uh, you know, there are... Um, it's true that if something is marketed and if the big publishers are behind a book and, and the author's name is bigger than the title, yeah, that you're going to create some sales by doing that. But I think uh, if you do create something that really does capture uh, an audience, the audience will grow. And the fact that it's, uh, there's so many streaming services out there and so many movies, and yeah, a lot of them are terrible, but... Uh, New York Times is publishing stuff you should be watching on Netflix. And uh, those kind of things and, and that kind of publicity is going to help the good content um, get and find a market. And so um, it, it it's really no different than it ever was. Mm-hmm.
1: One thing I will say about TV shows, the quality of TV writing, I think, is phenomenal now, mm. which I would not have said maybe any other time in our history. Never yet. been better, probably. Yeah, never been better. I mean, I, I'm stunned every time I sit down for one of these hour-long, you know, Netflix has put out a ton of great stuff. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the quality of television writing is really probably better than some of the movie writing. I think well, that's, out that's
2: where all the jobs are. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and uh, it's great if you... Um, You know, I personally don't like five-year character arcs, Uh, so a a show like Breaking Bad I thought was just phenomenal, and I watched the first year, but it was hard for me to go beyond that. That, That's a personal thing. Um, uh, There was one show, Six Feet Under, Hmm. that I I just couldn't stop watching. That's really the only one that I I was able to just six straight years, and and I just couldn't turn it off. Um,
1: Good thing you didn't say House of Cards, (laughs) and I have to turn it off.
2: (laughs) You know, Paul and I had the identical reaction to that when, when Kevin Spacey pushed, was it Rooney Marr or Kate Marr? Yeah, Kate, Kate Marr. Marr. When he pushed her off the train track, Paul came to me and said, I found that a little bit hard to believe that the vice president would do that. Mm. And I said, that, that was my reaction. That's when I stopped mm. That's watching when you stopped the watching. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But boy, was that well written. Yeah. Um,
0: well, it was, I mean, it was kind of like Lady Macbeth. I mean, she yeah, was. absolutely, mm-hmm. And, um... I thought, yeah, the first. I mean, the, when I first discovered it, I think I went through the first season in, in two or th- two and a half days, and did the same thing with the second season. I was, it was pretty compelling at first. Yeah. Well,
2: and that that became kind of a formula in television. They made um the the series um, about the motorcycle gang, which basically was Hamlet. Um, right, with, right, right, right. Uh, so, sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Right. Yeah, that's Hamlet. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Um, so uh, taking Shakespeare and turning it into not a, TV a Not a bad show. idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Note to self, take Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All those good ideas. One thing that I also wanted to highlight you said earlier, Joe, was um, getting on the treadmill or taking a shower or whatever. Those mundane tasks that you do, I can't tell you how helpful those are. To stand up, get away from your computer, and let your brain do the natural stuff it has to do to churn through the material to look at it a different way or turn it over in your head, I think taking. I, I talked to so many novelists who are runners, um, and they said that's where they get all their work done. Is
2: uh, absolutely there's something about the that endorphin high that uh, is connected with uh, letting your brain go free. It's a very meditative process. When I'm in, when I'm doing what I'm doing right now, and I'm not writing, uh, and I'm uh, P- Paul meditates and and I don't, and my I get that meditation through the writing process. So. I'm a little bit. I, my whole lifestyle and my gestalt is altered when I'm not in, in, getting up and writing every morning. Mm. Um.
1: Do you find that helpful, meditation for your day?
0: Yes, and I wish I could say I I never abandon the practice from time to time because it. I've I've been doing it for a long time now, yeah. but there are periods where, uh, like I had some health issues last year and I took a break for a while and. Um, You know, I recognize whenever I think about it that when I'm doing it routinely, my life is just uh, better, Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty much everything about it, uh, and I feel better about it. And so I don't know why I stop doing it from time to time, but uh, I find it helpful in many, many ways.
1: Like exercise. We all know it's good. It feels good when you're doing it, and you just fall off the wagon periodically. Yeah.
0: Well, plus – you know, going back to your comment about technology and all the distractions and so forth um, there are so few times when we um, consciously decide to just be still mm-hmm. uh, yes, when you're exercising things happen your your body's different and your brain reacts differently and so forth. but when you're really still, that's for us in this culture, arguably uh, especially um That's the most foreign place you can be is being still. Mm -hmm. And so I think people sometimes hesitate to give it a go because they have all these misguided ideas about it, like you have to empty your mind or you have to do it this way or that way. But really, it's about uh, just being still and being detached from the parade of stupid thoughts that go through your head. And hopefully over time there's some transformative thing that happens where your thoughts uh, that you can hopefully stay back and continue to watch are a little more interesting, (laughs) a little more positive. Um, But it's the simplest thing, and so it's the hardest thing to do is just to be still and be mindful
2: in the moment. These these are tremendous challenges for us. I, I call that state flow. That's how I refer mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. and it's it's similar in the sense that when you're in that state of flow, y- you're not restricting things. You're not you're not consciously, um, set putting any sort of restriction on 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 this process that's going on, and things come out that sometimes you use and sometimes you don't. I mean, most of what I write winds up in the garbage can, but um, uh, that state is is a very healthy state for. Uh, You know, getting into that state for a couple hours every morning really makes...
0: uh, Well, and interestingly, we know something today that we didn't know not that long ago, and that is uh, thanks to imaging and so forth and Mm -hmm. the neuroscience that's gone on. We know that the brain is doing different stuff when we're exercising or when we're meditating in these different states. And, yes, it's healthy. Uh, I mean, I think there's no question about that.
1: To that point, I find it really helpful to write really early in the morning, me almost too. in that dream state when you yeah. haven't quite woken up yet. And you feel, I think, more unrestricted to say kind of weird things. that yeah. then, you know, maybe you wouldn't keep it that way. You'd have to edit it. But the ideas that come out of that kind of murky.
0: Oh, I agree with you. State. In fact, uh, one of the things that got me motivated finally to follow through on writing. Um, I read this book and Joe and one other good friend independently of each other, recommended that I read this book. And normally, just the thought of holding a self-help book of any kind in my hand is abhorrent to me. But um, uh, not that I don't have plenty of issues, I probably should be reading mostly that. I mean, you just want other I'm, people
2: to help you with No, reading. I do. I want you to help me. With, <laughs> right,
0: uh, anyway, uh, the book is called The War of Art.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: You, you know, you, listeners I'm sure have heard of The Art of War, and you know this book, The War of Art. And the beautiful thing about it was how simple it was. and
2: Written by a screenwriter.
0: Written by a screenwriter. Now I think he does mostly um, historical novels. Uh, but, yes, he did The Legend of Bagger Vance. I can't think of his name.
2: Stephen Pressfield.
0: Thank That's you. Um, but uh, the reason this came to mind is your kind of about writing in the morning. That was his advice.
2: Hmm. Uh, well, there's, there's an old saying, too. Uh, tired writing makes tired reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most people are not tired when they wake up in the morning. If, if you're tired when you wake up in the morning, you've you got to take a look at a few things. That are the problem. Well, you have more
0: energy and also, apropos what you were saying, you you, I think you're, uh, you have different kinds of thoughts before you get in gear for the, you know, the day. And um,
1: and your inner editor isn't quite as uh, that's right. perky.
0: That's right. right. That's right. That's right. Not as much self-censorship, maybe. Yeah. And, well, you can be more of a, sort of a, Conduit to let this stuff out, and um, no, I, I find that to be the case. Yeah, much better than working in the wee hours at Harbor House, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which has its own charm. Yeah. Uh, no doubt.
2: Yeah, Paul yeah, no dragged me there once. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've spent many days at the Harbor House, not not writing, but doing.
2: <laughs> the writing gig starts at around midnight. Yeah, yeah. that's when everybody pulls out a laptop. And, uh, yeah.
1: So I'd love to talk about your friendship a little because I I interview writers all the time, but I interview them individually, and I love the synergy between you guys. And I'm wondering if um, it it feels as though you're feeding each other creatively, even though you're working in different mediums. Um, And I I don't know if you have any comments about you know working with other creatives or what you're you know do you guys get together and brainstorm stuff out, or you trade work and and act as critique partners, or you?
0: We have critiqued each other's work and I it certainly has been a benefit to me Joy has a lot of issues uh, but despite that is a very good (laughs) constructive (laughs) critic Mm -hmm. and um, so there's been that and um, we became fast friends through a program that no longer is called the Indian Princess Program with our daughters and um, uh, we've stayed good friends uh, since and uh, Joe has, I know, taught me more about writing than I've taught him. He's been at it longer. Um, and in any case, yeah, I think we've, I would love actually, we threaten to collaborate on one screenplay idea, and I hope that at some point we literally do collaborate on something together. Uh, but, but, yeah, I think we've helped each other. I give him honest feedback. Not everybody, well, first of all, he knows if he gives me something to read, reliably i will read it and i'll give them my two cents worth and vice versa not everybody is like that
2: that's true yeah and and but you'll find most serious writers um are like that because there's just nothing to be gained when somebody reads material and goes oh i just loved it thanks man great great you know what do you do with that all all you can do is say thank you i mean i kind of love it i do a workshop every tuesday night at Irvine Valley College, the screenwriting workshop, mm. run by a, a screenwriter named Mark Sevy, who's a, an excellent uh, teacher and very knowledgeable about the craft. And um, when I go in there with rough material, you know, you feel like you get beat up. And I love that. I love getting <laughs> beat up because that gives me things to work on. And, um, you know, I'm desperate for anything I can clutch onto that needs to get fixed. Because it's a lot easier to fix things than it is to create new stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, I I'll sit down at two in the morning and fix things um, easily. You know, i was happy to go do that. It's it's great when I've got something to work on. Um, I, the the process of writing the it's, it's more fun toward the end for me when I'm polishing something and I go, man, this is really coming out good. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this better, this better, this better. That that uh, compared to a, a blank screen. And mm, oh, a moonquake. <laughs> what do I do with that? You know that that uh, is not as much fun. It, it, it's um, it, it, it's. I mean, I, I enjoy the whole process, but um, it, it's just uh, like any uh, um, anything that you think you're good at doing. Once you see that it it really is coming out good, it's fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, do you? Uh, I lost my train of thought here, but um, oh, I totally lost my train of thought. I was thinking about something else, and then it flew out. Does this happen to you often? I feel I like this way too often. Yes,
2: I think we call it a senior moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Damn it! <laughs> well, I know we all have daughters the same age, and I was just talking to a writer the other day about that, about parenting and writing, and how much that act had sort of fed her fiction over time. Either she got ideas from it, or it compressed her time that she had, uh, you know, allowed to her to. Focus on her art, um, but all of the the ways in which writing pre parenthood differed from writing post parenthood. And I know we're all now kind of going through, you know, becoming empty nesters. And um,
2: well, I mean, it, it's it, parenthood changes your life. I mean, the day my my daughter was born was uh, extremely memorable and happy and a, and and a big life changing moment. And um, I think it, it it helped me focus on on certain aspects. Of, of life and, and made me want to communicate. You know, you want to leave a legacy for your kids, and you realize that, uh, especially when they start uh, behaving and, and, and imitating, and you, you, you say, wow, this is this huge responsibility. And um, uh, coincidentally, I mean, my, both my daughters, uh, my, uh, I have a stepdaughter as well, um, but uh, the, my uh, two younger daughters um, are both in the arts, mm-hmm. and, and my daughter Marley. Uh, she's. Oh, I'll give her a little plug here since I asked you about. Yeah, this. absolutely. This okay. yeah. She's uh, she's starring in a musical at UCLA this weekend. Um, the Hooligan Theater Company is putting on um, Cabaret, and my daughter Marley Becker is playing um, Sarah Bowles. Is that the name I of the think character? That is the name yeah, of the, the character. The, the Liza Liza Minnelli, yeah. Yeah. And um, and and it's fun to to watch someone in your family become artistic and. Uh, and i kind of know what they're going through but at the same time oh my gosh he's going into the the entertainment business Uh, and uh, i know what what a minefield that is and uh um so uh it's a it's a double-edged sword but i'm i i encourage everybody to go i've i've watched there's some youtube videos you can check out for the hooligan theater company you can see the quality of the production it's pretty amazing what these kids it's all student directed the theater companies run by by ucla students in musical theater and um I uh, mean they're producing they're directing their cho- choreography, the music, everything, and uh, the quality of the production is pretty amazing. that is so cool yeah.
1: I don't know if you find this. I mean we were kind of touching on this earlier with um, Paul being a novelist and, and Joe being a sc- primarily a screenwriter and a do- lot of lot of things um, and your daughter being in the theater, you know my husband's a photographer and it's interesting to me when I talk to somebody who's operating in a completely different genre how much we have in common. And how, you know, even from photography to writing is totally different. But, you know, we still talk about voice. We still talk about point of view. We still talk about light. And, you know, it, it's always surprising to me. And I don't know if you guys have other artists in your life that kind of feed your creative energy who you talk to about creative endeavors. But it's always amazing to me. I, I haven't talked to an actress, but I imagine that that would be true, too. Um, obviously, oh, you're rendering a character. Mm-hmm. So it's
2: well, and people, uh, you know, don't often... Th- there's a certain perception about any art, uh, maybe other than fine art. Um, people view something and they think, oh, oh I know, how to, I, could, I could be an actor. I mean, just stand up there and, and say the words. And people come into the my screenwriting workshop all the time and, and um, they just are blown away 10 weeks later by how hard it is. Um, and um, so... Talking to fine artists in Laguna Beach, which there are a number of, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I find there's a lot of similarities when we talk about process. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, because art is fundamentally just creating something that people uh, uh, attach to and and are affected by emotionally. Um, You know, I look at it from the point of view of uh, addressing, creating archetypal characters that go through uh, some kind of human experience that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know a lot of artists in town, don't you? Uh?
0: I do. Some of my good friends, uh, mutual friends with your husband. I mean, I'm good friends with Jacques Arna, for example, who exhibits also at the Festival of Arts. And uh, I do. I agree with you. There's a lot of commonalities, and part of it is. Um, Struggling to get it just right. I mean, Joe told me one time when I was whining about editing, um, there's no such thing as writing, there's only rewriting. And um, I know that many photographers and many painters will work on recurring themes and just trying to do the the same thing better, um, but also uh, struggling to come up with a range of sort of offerings that... um, that they're really happy with and what, and you know, they go through the whole range of human emotions when they're going through that process. And I think that's true probably for any, any sort of artistic endeavor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I worked with a, a cartoonist when I was in college, we published this little magazine and I would write the cartoons and then he would draw them. And he went through a process, you know, I'd write a, I'd draw a stick figure and, and, and he'd go, oh, I see the joke. Okay. And he'd go away and he'd come back with a draft. And then he'd do an, another one and another one. And it blew me away that he had a development process in Because I just always thought, well, you get the thing in your mind and you just draw it. You've got the, the ability to draw. And I don't. So, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it was interesting and new, novel for me to learn that, that he had a process that he went through.
1: To your point that you said at the very beginning of the hour about, you know, I, all my, I told my friends for years I was going to write a novel, and they're like, it doesn't count until you do it. And I think that is the perception that if you're doing art well, it looks super easy, and everybody thinks, well, I, I know words. I can I know how to tell a story, and it's, uh, you know,
0: yeah. it's just not true. Well, and I think, you know, uh, to harken back to something you said at the beginning, I think you have more to say when you get older. Mm-hmm. That part gets easier. Um, what never gets easy is is trying to say more with fewer words and so forth. That's always hard work. But I've uh, come to enjoy it a lot anyway. So,
1: yeah. yeah, I can't believe we're out of time. Really out of time. Um, so tell us where we can find you online. Well, I've stalked you both on Facebook, so I know you can find me on the Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. But, um, you're, uh, uh, you have a website for the book.
0: Stopgomurder.com. It's, it's rather sparse, but it won't be so sparse in a couple weeks. We've got some videos and other stuff going on, on there. But StopGoMurder.com and the book's available on there. It's on Amazon and uh, I think I agree with, with uh, you and Laguna Beach Books is a wonderful bookstore. Uh, it is. rare example of a really fantastic small independent bookstore on Coast Highway and you can get it there.
1: I love it. Joe, where do we find you?
2: Uh, JoeBeckerFilms.com I love it.
1: Gentlemen, this was such a pleasure. I knew this was going to be fun, and it was kind of more fun than I thought it was going to be, so that's even
2: better. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you.
1: This was great. This was great. That's all the time we have for today. Ash Kumar will be on next, so stay tuned for that. You are listening to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. If you missed all or any of this podcast, we will be up on KUCI's website in a little bit as soon as my technical support gets back from uh, his photography trip in Myanmar. (laughs) I'll have this up there. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great, great night.